The Lord, our Redeemer, be with you. And also with you. This is Holy Week, and normally in our churches we have services day by day, but we're still living in lockdown, so our services this Holy Week are coming from the Sea House Chapel here in Kilmore. You're very welcome, and I do pray that you will join in these services on a daily basis and be blessed by them. Hello, it's Thursday in Holy Week. Thursday usually called Monday Thursday, associated with the Lord's Supper, and we'll be focusing and sharing in the Lord's Supper. You're very welcome to this service. But let us pray. God of our days and years, we set this time aside for you. Form in us the likeness of Christ. And as we walk with him in the shadow of death on the way of the cross, that we might be nourished by his word and fed by the bread of life, we ask it in his name. Amen. A reading from Mark chapter 14 by Jenny. A reading from Mark chapter 14, verse 12 to 25. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. As we turn to God's word, let us pray. Lord, as we open your word, nourish us with the soul food for life and health and strength. 
We ask this in the name of the living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This week, Holy Week, we are exploring Mark's account of Christ's passion together. Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, one of the great highlights of the Jewish year. And we join them at table as they share in the Passover meal, the last supper associated with this day, Monday, Thursday. And you'll find the record of that in Mark chapter 14. Jenny Horner has just read that to us earlier in the service. This section of the Passion narrative is made up of three scenes. One, the preparation in verses 12 and 16. Two, the prediction in verses 17 and 21. And three, in the Passover in verse 22 and 25. And as we work our way through these three scenes, I want us to be aware of a number of things that are going on in the background. Scripture is being fulfilled from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. It's coming into form and to shape into reality in Jesus. And that there is a growing sense of Jesus' aloneness, his isolation, even at table. And that the unity of his band of disciples is beginning to fragment and disintegrate. And there is a, the sense of the ineffable. The shadow of death looming ever larger over the story. So let's examine the three scenes individually. First, scene one, preparation, verses 12 to 16, as I've said. According to the instructions of God in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, Passover should take place on the 15th day of the seventh Jewish month, which is called Nisan, March or April in our calendar, the time we celebrate Easter. And so on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which was part of the Passover feast, Mark mentions that in verse 12, as you read the passage, preparations are being made. The lambs are prepared for the Passover meal that day to be shared that evening. And in reply to the disciples' question, where will you have us go and prepare for you and eat the Passover? Jesus takes control of the preparations. Everything hinges on him. In verses 13 and 16, you see that the disciples are dispatched into the city, which is heaving with pilgrims from all over the known world. And these two men are to look out for a man carrying a jug of water. It's incredible, isn't it? This man would be conspicuous. Why? Because it was the custom for women, not men to carry water at the time. He would stand out. Follow him, Jesus said, and he will take you to, notice, my guest room. 
my gastrum. There everything is prepared in a finished, furnished, should I say, upstairs room. Everything will be made ready for the Passover. And as they went into the city, thronging with people, Peter and John found it as Jesus had prearranged it. The house where the Last Supper took place could have belonged to John Mark's family, Mark the writer of this gospel, and would have been located in a well-to-do district near the temple precinct in the city of Jerusalem. And there, in that upper room, the unleavened bread, the lamb, the sauce, and the herbs, and of course the wine, were ready and waiting for the guests. The Passover meal, you will remember, looked back over the centuries, over the millennia, to the Exodus experience. When God saved his people, he released them from slavery in Egypt. And this was the memorial meal to commemorate that preparation. The scene then turns to prediction in verses 17 to 21. It's evening. And as Jesus and his disciples are in the guest room at table, Jesus drops a bombshell. Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Verse 19. Sorrow flooded their evening. Is it I? They asked in a panic. Could it be me? This was the first time that Jesus revealed to them that one of his own closest friends would betray him. Mark doesn't reveal the identity of the betrayer in this scene, but we already know that it's Judas Iscariot. Mark had shared that with us in verse 10. Nonetheless, as the scene closes about the prediction, Jesus repeats the scriptural necessity of the betrayal from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Scripture is being fulfilled. And for Mark, what is happening to Jesus is not a tragedy. It is part of God's purpose and plan. Scripture must be fulfilled. But woe to the man, the one who betrays the Son of Man, the title used most chiefly by Jesus of himself. You see, God's sovereign plan does not remove human responsibility. Jesus' death was in part due to the wickedness of humanity, the religious leaders, and his close friend, Judas Iscariot, as we had noted earlier this week. Then we come to the third and last scene, Passover in verses 22. Uh, to 25. The Passover meal itself was a set piece with a set liturgy of words and actions. And as they were sitting at table together in this guest room, Mark records Jesus departing from the liturgy, liturgy with his own words and actions. He took 
the unleavened bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to each one of them with these words, take, this is my body. He then took a cup of wine, give thanks, passed it to them, and all of them drank it with these words, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink wine again until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. The bread and the wine signify the body and blood of Christ, a body which will soon be broken and blood that will soon be shed on the cross. Jesus' impending death is framed in terms of covenant. That is the relationship between God and humanity that God has always initiated. It echoes the covenant given to Moses in the book of Exodus and the new covenant that the prophet Jeremiah speaks of in his prophecy. And Jesus points forward to the messianic banquet of a future kingdom of God. His death would not be the end. His death would be for the many. And his death would bring people and God together, God and humanity reconciled in Christ. Well, we're at the close of our thoughts on this Monday, Thursday, from this passage in Mark's Passion in chapter 14. And I just want us to reconsider in our time these three scenes and the impact they have on our lives. First of all, preparation. What we learn here in this scene, that God is in control. I wonder, do you believe that in the world that we live in? in a pandemic-stricken world. He has a plan and a purpose for our world, which he has made available in Christ. And we can share his purpose and plan. Life is not random. It's not a collection of accidents. Life has meaning. And Jesus is the key to the meaning and purpose of life. This day in Holy Week, Open the door to Jesus. Prediction. Human wickedness is still evident in our world. You only have to open a newspaper or look at the news or consider the web. And yet human wickedness will never thwart God's plan and purpose. Everyone is capable of wickedness and great wickedness in Christ and in Christ alone. God has established a way through and beyond wickedness to a way of life through his death. And that way is open to us when we turn from 
our unrighteousness, our wickedness and sin and turn to Christ and follow him on the path of righteousness, the right way to live. And finally, Passover. The meal that Jesus inaugurated on that faithful, faithful night in the guest room, the Lord's Supper, or whatever we want to call it, invites us to look back, to look back at Christ's sacrificial death, his self-giving love for each one of us, and to be thankful. To look forward in hope and expectation to a future, to Christ's return, when our salvation will be consummated in his very presence. And to look around, to look around at the present, to those sharing bread and his cup together in unity. And we long for the day when we can do that safely again in our churches as one body, the people of God, who experience his mercy his grace and love. And as we go out into the world to share his love generously to a hard-nosed and unloving world, may it be so for his name's sake. Amen. We sing the lovely communion hymn, hymn 421. I come with joy, a child of God, forgiven, loved and freed.
So on this Monday Thursday, we pray and we hear the words and actions of Jesus afresh. And we thank God with generous hearts. And so let us pray. God, our Father, you invite us to share in the supper which your Son gave to this, his church to proclaim his death until he comes. May he nourish us with his grace and unite us in his love. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks to you, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Generous God, you fed us at your table. Set us in fire with your spirit to live and work and witness for him who gave his life for us. Amen. Christ, draw you to himself and grant that you may find in his cross a sure ground of faith, a firm support for hope, and the assurance of sins forgiven.